What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. I am AJ, back with my brother Tyler after we gave him the week off last week. Glad that he is feeling better and able to join us for this one. Back to talk college football again. It is episode 27, week two of the college football season. And we've got a great episode for you. Going to touch on some really good matchups this week, including a showdown of Texas and Alabama, a great game last year that we'll touch on later in the episode. So stay tuned for that. What's going on, Tyler? How you feeling? Feeling better this week? Ready to uh, talk some ball? Yeah, sorry to leave you hanging on the recap episode. I think my pride just need a little extra time to heal after picking so terribly last week. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but I still but showed it was a good up, podcast. I still great showed job. up and, and, great job. and fa- faced the uh, the music. I I came on and owned it, and you uh, you ducked out on that one. Ran and hid like a coward. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you. Cool, cool. All right, so before we jump into these picks for this week, we picked six great games. But first, wanted to remind you guys, go ahead, if you are not already, give us a follow on social media at Saturday6Pod. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate that. Also, while you are listening to us, you can go ahead on that podcast platform, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a follow, give us a rating, give us a review, go ahead and subscribe. We really appreciate that. Help us reach new people and help us to grow the podcast. So thank you for doing that. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. We've got six great games this week, and I'm excited to talk about a bunch of these with you. The first one that I want to talk about is a team that we covered last week, and we both got this pick wrong. I came on and faced it in the last episode, but just really quickly, tell me what your your thoughts are about this Colorado team. They're going to host Nebraska this week. They are now ranked in the top 25, noon kickoff on Fox, and it's the Buffs that are now favored by three. Earlier in the week on DraftKings, you could find Nebraska by seven, and it's flipped drastically in favor of Colorado after a huge win against TCU last week. Yeah, I think the biggest thing going into last week is we didn't know what we had in this Colorado team, but dude, now Nobody we did. We got some... We got some dogs, man. I mean, this is a very good team. I think they still have a little bit of growing pains to get through. I'm not looking for them to replicate their success by any means, uh, but this is a very good football team. I think they're well-rounded. Uh, I'm interested to see if Travis Hunter plays the same number of snaps that he did in week one. I don't think that that's sustainable throughout an entire college football season. So I think if he's going to do that, it needs to be for these big games. And I don't know if Nebraska is that game. Uh, so we'll probably still see him on offense and defense, but maybe limit the number of snaps uh, on one side of the ball, uh, probably offense if I had to guess, because they still got some weapons on that offense in the receiver room. Yeah. Uh, but dude, in Colorado, it's the opening game in Colorado for these buffs here. I think it's going to be big. It'll be a sold out stadium. I have no doubt about that. Everybody's yeah. going to be wanting to see uh, what this Colorado team Did does. Did you see the person. ticket prices? Did you see the ticket prices no. for this game? Insane. Like Astronomical. You, you cannot they? even get in the stadium for less than $300. Insane how quickly Dion's turned the this program around and how much hype he's already built around the buffs. And they, they've only won one game so far. Yeah. They're, uh, I mean, it was a good start to the year, but they're still, uh, they're still at the same spot they were last year as of right now. 
Yeah, but this is a beatable Nebraska team. I mean, if we see yeah. even if we even see 80% of what we saw last week from this Colorado team, they'll yeah. have no issue handling this Nebraska team. And Matt Rule is a good coach. I liked him last week. I think he did a lot of really good things. And he's got this Nebraska team trending upwards. But I just do this Colorado team. I mean, I'm going to hop on the hype train for a minute. I, I know that, you know, you can only take so much from a week one game because it is week one. But, dude, what they showed is enough to impress. And I, I think a three-point spread is easy, man. This is a Colorado team that likes to put up points. Yeah, it's it's tough because I, I, I do still think this is a tough year for Colorado. I, I've maybe increased my expectations a little bit just based off of that first game, how electric that offense looked with, you know, bringing in that new offensive coordinator and how good those transfer pieces have looked. So I, I like that you touched on Travis Hunter. I don't think he's going to go 100-plus snaps again. I think you get him every snap you can at DB because, like, I, like I've touched on, he's just absolutely locked down. You can't throw to his side. And when TCU did last week, they paid for it. He got a pick. So I'm, I'm expecting Nebraska to try to establish the running game here. Quarterback Jeff Sims, a transfer from Georgia Tech, um, that was really all he was able to do against that against that Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers team last week. So I think that's what they try to do here. I think that also helps them to limit Colorado's possessions in this game because like we saw last week, Colorado's going to try to go fast. The more possessions they can get, the more times they can get Shador Sanders and get him to get the ball into some of those playmakers' hands, the better they feel. So I think Nebraska does try to slow this game down a little bit, try to limit some of the possessions, keep Shador Sanders and that offense on the sideline a little bit. So maybe it's a little bit closer because they can hang in there a little bit. Question for me is, can Colorado get stops on defense? Because as much points as they scored last week, they only gave up three less than that. So can you stop this Nebraska defense defensively is going to be the question mark. 79% of bets right now coming in on the Colorado side. Clearly a lot of people are feeling the buffs after an impressive week one win. I am not super confident in this. I'm not, you know, calling this a lock by any means, but I'm going to ride with Colorado as well. I think they can win this game by three points, but I also could see a scenario where Nebraska is able to establish a little bit of a run game. We know Colorado, Colorado can be a little soft on the interior of that defensive line. So maybe a little bit closer than some people think, but I will take the buffs. I'll I'll keep the hype train rolling for at least one more week. I think that's a good point you made with the run game for Nebraska. And we definitely saw a big difference last week in this new rule that college football put in place with the clock not stopping on every first down. I think it it cut down the actual play time by like 25, 30 minutes or so. Right. per game so uh and there is significantly less plays actually played in the game which i think is a big factor in this especially for those run heavy football teams two other teams that we have already touched on this year they've got a great matchup going down on saturday we've got the number 10 ranked team in the country the notre dame fighting irish they're going to go on the road head out to north carolina to face off against the wolf pack i'm talking nc state football I know you're a big fan. We're going to have a good game going down, hopefully, noon on ABC. And it is the Fighting Irish that are favored by seven and a half, a touchdown plus a hook here. Got to take them to win by eight if you're going to ride with the Fighting Irish. 
Like I said, two teams that we've already touched on. Notre Dame got an impressive Week Zero win against Navy, and then NC State kind of barely eking out UConn last week. Um, got some stuff to build on if they're going to be able to fend off the Fighting Irish this week. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and specifically Sam Hartman right now. I mean, this guy looked incredible when he was playing Navy in Week Zero. I mean, they got it done. He looked like the pure passer just commanding the offense that we saw him do at Wake Forest. But now he's got to upgrade in his team. He's got a much better offensive line. I think that's a very good tight ends room that they have there at Notre Dame, as they usually always do. Yeah. Um, and he, he's got a couple weapons there. I mean, they're, they're it's a youthful group in the wide receiver room, but he's got a couple there that are, that are going to make him look really good. And, I mean, dude, we're back to hating on the inside. State Wolfpack. I'm bringing it back. I know what I've got out of you them. You keep already. me out of I this. Saw this, it. Is, this is all you. You keep me out of this. They, they ain't no weird. They got exposed, man. I mean, their yeah. defense looked soft. Their offense looked incapable of being efficient when they needed to be efficient. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I think that there's a huge jump from week one to week two and how. Uh, offenses play once they can kind of get into a rhythm and I think that that should improve a little bit but this Notre Dame team I mean you talk about like blue chip ratios and stuff like that uh, on some previous podcasts Notre Dame has the edge here easily Um, and dude I just I like that offensive Notre Dame their defense seemed very capable nothing really popped out oh my goodness but it was a very sound defensive effort that I've seen from them thus far uh, and I expect them to keep going with it I think NC State could get exposed even more so here. I mean, if their defense doesn't step up, I got no problem with Sam Hartman throwing for three, maybe four touchdowns. Um, And then, you know, Notre Dame's defense is very capable, and this NC State offense sputtered, uh, to put it as lightly as possible. So I'm going to take the Fighting Irish. I like them this year. I I think number 10 is a really good spot for them, and I think – that they just continue to build on the success that they've had so far. Yeah, I agree that NC State offense, just like you said, ineffective last week, especially throwing the ball. Um, The transfer quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, coming over from Virginia. Now, he can get it done with his legs. That was the one bright spot for them offensively against UConn, that he was able to escape the pocket, and he's really quick, really shifty. Um, I I think he's going to have to be – better throwing the ball against Notre Dame if they want to pull this off. Now, you, you touched on the quarterback, Sam Hartman, for Notre Dame. You mentioned the offensive line. They have been dominant. I expect them to continue to be dominant. But this NC State defensive line is actually pretty good. So that's this is clearly their toughest matchup so far through the season. Can they continue to establish the run game? Uh, they're running back a steam. I mean, They've got five dudes that they can trot out there, but Estime is the is the lead back. He's averaged over 100 yards per game through the first two games. I expect that to continue. I expect them to still establish the run while taking play-action shots with Hartman downfield. And so, therefore, again, I think we see another faster game here, a quicker game, because both teams are going to run the ball. The quarterback for NC State's going to run the ball. Notre Dame, we know they're going to run the ball. That's just been their bread and butter for years and years now. So I think this is a quicker game, which makes me think NC State can hang in here. 
But I think Notre Dame's just got too many weapons. I'm going to take them with the points here. Seven and a half. I think they can win this game by 10, 13, two touchdowns. I think that's very possible here for Notre Dame. Even though they're going on the road, like you said, I, I think they have the talent advantage here. I think even in a quicker game, they should be able to win this game by more than a touchdown. So uh, on the same side again. Moving on, we've got a top 25 on top 25 matchup. A very good early season non-conference matchup. Two teams that met last year. Two teams that had success last year, varying degrees, but success last year. Talking about number 20 Ole Miss going on the road against number 24 Tulane, the Green Wave. Coming off of a lot of success last year, returning a quarterback in Michael Pratt. 3.30 kickoff on ESPN, and it's the road team that is the favorite. Ole Miss Rebels, minus seven and a half. Again, got to take them by more than a touchdown if you're going to ride with the Rebels here. What are our initial thoughts when you look at this one? We've talked about this Michael Pratt guy and his ability on the football field, and he probably had a the ability to go almost anywhere in the country that he wanted to if he wanted to test out that that, uh, that portal, and he didn't. Yeah. He comes back for Tulane, Green Wave, um, and the guy's a stud, man. I mean, he worked. He's really good. Ole Miss has a very capable quarterback too, though, in Jackson Dart. I mean, he's not going to blow your socks off. He's probably not a top five quarterback in the SEC necessarily, but you've. When you have a running back like Kinshawn Judkins in the backfield that mm. you can rely on to establish the run game like Ole Miss can do, and then it opens everything up downfield for Jackson Dart to hit a couple uh, lasers to the receivers that they got. Yeah. I mean, Lane Kiffin, he's an offensive guru. He's a quarterback's coach. He's going to get the best out of Jackson Dart, uh, and I think he will in this game too. Right. Uh, but I don't see this being – I. I I see this being more of a close game than I think Vegas predicts. I like Tulane. I like what they've been able to do. A little bit of a Cinderella story last year, yes, but they continue with some pretty positive stuff uh, all of fall camp and coming into this season. I'm going to take Tulane to cover the seven-and-a-half-point spread. I think it's a little bit closer inside a seven. Um, Maybe maybe like a little like sneaky backdoor – you know, cover for Tulane at the end of the fourth quarter, but I'm going to, I'm going to ride with the underdogs and ride the wave, ride the wave. wave. I like it. I like that. No, um, I I like that you touched on the weapons for Ole Miss. Um, Talked about Pratt already last week, nearly 300 yards, four touchdowns against a really, really actually a pretty solid South Alabama. You look at it and you're like, ah, South Alabama, but um, actually one of the better group of five teams. So uh, solid performance from him. I, I'm impressed by him. Jackson Dart's got some weapons too. A lot of transfers in this Ole Miss program. We know Lane Kiffin, not necessarily a great high school recruiter, right? Like, you know, he's doing most of his work in the transfer portal these days. But he did go out and get Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech and Jordan Watkins from Louisville. They both had over 100 yards receiving last week. It was Mercer, but they both had over 100 yards receiving. So Dart's got weapons. You can always turn around and hand that ball off 25 times to Judkins if you'd like, and he's going to get the job done. So I I agree with you, though. I think this is a closer game. I think seven and a half is a little too much especially going on the road to Tulane. I think 
Ole Miss obviously has got the overall talent advantage, but I think we're going to be on the same side again, man. I, I put Tulane down before we started the before we started this recording, and I just I just don't see it. I don't see a scenario where Ole Miss is winning this one by more than a touchdown. I think this is going to be one of the best games of the weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Thought I had you with the little underdog pick there, but looks like we're on the same side again. Yeah, graphics gonna look uh not quite so interesting, but um we got yeah, three I, more I, games. I think cover. that's the right side. I think Tulane's the right side. And uh, you know, we're we're trying to flip it around from last week, trying to get some things headed in the right direction. So we'll take an underdog here and there. All right, moving on to a really <laughs> Interesting matchup brand-wise, but if last year's game was any indication, this might be a snoozer. We have number 23, Texas A&M, going on the road to what will definitely not be a packed-out Miami stadium. 3.30 kickoff on ABC. It's the Aggies favored by three and a half, a field goal plus the hook there. This game was 17-9 to last year. And we were really excited about it. We picked this game last year, and uh, it really just wasn't that interesting. Lots of turnovers, lots of poor offensive play. Um, Wasn't even like the defenses looked great. But it's a new season. We got new expectations. We got a new offensive coordinator for Texas A&M. Should be a good game. We're hoping it'll be a close game. Vegas thinks it'll be a close game. What are your thoughts when you see Aggies and Hurricanes? Yeah, I think it's an interesting game on paper when you see the two names. Uh, you touched on it. This was kind of just a really boring game to watch last year. And the thing is, is sorry, but these two teams are probably the two biggest like choke artists that I've ever seen <laughs> in football. I mean, both of these teams, they get hyped up, and I feel like they just choke big games. So it makes it really tough. I'd like to uh, not bet on either one of them to win this game. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I like what Mario Cristobal is doing. I-, I watched their their game last week. They looked pretty sound. They were efficient. They were clicking very well on o- offense. Their defense looked improved from a season ago. Um, and I think Mario Cristobal is one of those uh, Nick Saban assistants that has a really bright future here. But Texas A and M. I mean Jimbo Fisher. He he's it's it's a prove it year for him. I mean, they sign him to these big contracts. You know, they they get recruits. I mean, Jimbo Fisher can recruit, but you know, they got a little bit of competition in state with Texas, uh, hogging up most of the talent as of late. But you know, they've got some playmakers. But yeah, again, I see this being a very low scoring game. I think I'm going to take the Hurricanes to cover it. I might even take them outright to win it. I think that. You know, what Mario Cristobal has going down in South Florida and, you know, the playmakers that they're able to recruit from in-state, I think that they got a really good thing going. Um, And I look for their defense to be much improved from a season ago. And even week to week, uh, once they kind of figure out what they're doing and what their identity is, I think that, you know, this Jimbo Fisher offense is just going to have a a little bit of a struggle in the first half, and things are going to kind of start out pretty slow for them. Yeah, I like that you touched on the Miami defense. You know, the secondary is is by far the strength of that defense, their safeties especially, but they're going to be tested. You know, this new Texas A&M offense, Jimbo kind of finally relinquishing control of it after just not great performances over the last couple of seasons. So 
Bobby Petrino taking over as the OC. He's got quarterback Connor Wegman. Looked good last week. It was New Mexico State, so I'm not going to overreact to that, but looked good last week. Got a lot of weapons. Evan Stewart, Anaya Smith, both check-plus guys, so they're going to test that Miami secondary a little bit. On the other side, the Miami quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, a lot of hype last year coming into the season and just there's no other way you can put it. Didn't live up to it. Just he's got to be better this year if Miami wants to go where Coach Cristobal wants to take them and where the Miami boosters expect them to be. Because both of these programs, they got money. That ain't an issue. And and you touched on Texas A&M's recruiting. Miami's done some good things in recruiting lately, and that's got a lot to do with it. They're not afraid these boosters to throw around a little bit of money. That Texas oil money and that South Florida whatever you want to call it money okay they're so, a private school they got money <laughs> yeah that's not the you know there are high expectations for both of these programs so this is going to be a huge game for both of them i think at the end of the day texas a&m still has more talent i do expect this to be a lower scoring game like last year a little bit of a rock fight maybe a couple of turnovers i think the team that takes care of the ball Sounds cliche because it is cliche, but I think the quarterback, Wegman or Van Dyke, that takes care of the ball best is going to be the team that wins this game. I'm taking Texas A&M minus the three and a half. Not super confident in that whatsoever. I don't hate your Miami straight up pick at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a story as old as time. The, The team that plays the most sound football, limit turnovers, limit, you know, penalties, shooting themselves in the foot. You know, that that's generally the team that's going to come out victorious in a football game. So that's a very good point. All right. Keeping uh, the Texas theme going here, we've got a great matchup on paper last week. But after Texas Tech goes down to Wyoming last week, this one might have lost a little bit of luster, but I'm not going to give up on it just yet. You got number 13, Oregon, going on the road to Lubbock to face off against the Red Raiders. Saturday night, 7 o'clock on Fox. It's the visitors, the Ducks, that are favored by six points right now on DraftKings, depending on when you find that line. A lot of hype around both of these programs going into the year. A lot of people picking Texas Tech as sort of the dark horse in the Big 12. They had success last year. A lot of people expecting them to build on it. And then Bo Nix in what is his eighth year in college football, uh, looking to build on what he did last year. I know you were high on him last year. Do you expect things to continue for Oregon, or do you think Texas Tech can kind of right the ship at home? Gosh, Bo Nix has just been in college football forever, dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah. Dan Landing's got a good football Old man team. Nix. I mean, Dan Landing has a really good football team. I like that he's a defensive-minded coach. Obviously, he was a defensive coordinator at Georgia previous to getting this head coaching job. Um, so I, I think that that favors the Ducks really well, especially against this Texas Tech team that they love to throw the ball. They love to put up a ridiculous amount of points, as any Big 12 team loves to do. Uh, but they're very good at it. They are a very fast-paced offense. You won't see them in too many traditional huddles. You know, they like to go very high tempo and spread the ball around a lot. So I yeah. think that that might catch Oregon on the Oregon DBs on their toes a little bit on Saturday and kind of make this an interesting kind of close game. But I mean, I think Oregon just has the talent advantage here. 
I think, you know, going to Texas is kind of a big road test for them. So I'm very interested to see what they have here. If the spread was any higher, I'd be a little bit more iffy on this. And maybe if Texas Tech played a little bit better a week ago, I'd be a little bit more iffy on this. But yeah. I think that – is Bo Nix going to win the Heisman? Probably not. But <laughs> is, you know, is he going to be in the conversation for like the first six weeks? Yeah, I could see that being a very uh, true possibility there. I think yeah. Oregon has this one. I think that's six points is, is just comfortable for me a little bit higher. And I'd be second guessing myself a little bit, but I think Oregon could take this by a touchdown. Yeah. I, the question for me is like, this game is in Lubbock. So Bo Nix away from home. That's always been the question mark, right? Plays lights out. <laughs> he sucks on the road. Plays lights out at home and then away from home, it's it's always kind of shaky. So um, I think they need to run lean on the running back in this one, Bucky Irving. Now, only four carries last week against Portland State, but 119 yards and two touchdowns on four carries. So Jeez, I think he's got Randy think, Moss numbers. That's what I'm saying. Like turning half of his carries into touchdowns. So um, I think they're going to try to lean on him a little bit, establish the run game limit some of these Texas Tech possessions in this one. Like you said, they're going to try to throw the ball 100 times if you let them. Um, they they lost edge rusher Tyree Wilson, went number seven overall to the Raiders in last year's NFL draft. So losing some of the ability on defense to get after Bo Nix. I think this is a good Texas Tech team, but I am just not as confident in them after what I saw last week in Laramie against Wyoming. So I'm on the same side for this one. I'm going to take Ducks minus six. I think if this one were right around that seven mark um, where you had to take them by more than a touchdown, I'd be a little bit more iffy. But I I feel comfortable enough to take the Ducks by six in this one. But would not be shocked at all if Texas Tech is able to hang around because I do think that is a talented Red Raiders team. I think they will kind of right the ship and be a contender in the Big 12 this year before all is said and done. All right, let's get to it. The biggest game of the weekend, the biggest game of our Saturday six. You got a top 25 matchup going down Saturday night. A rematch of a great game last year with a lot of intrigue and a lot of potential for whichever team can win this game. We got number 11, Texas Longhorns, going to go on the road to face off against the number three ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Seven o'clock on ESPN, and it's the Tide favored by a touchdown and a hook. Seven and a half, got to take them by eight if you're going to roll with the Tide. Lots of storylines surrounding this one, lots of intrigue. Obviously, two huge brands. Um, Don't give me your pick quite yet, but just initial thoughts when you see these two big logos pop up. uh, An early season, huge non-conference test that we'll get to see. Man, this is the game of the week. I think it's very interesting. Last week, we got to see a lot from these two teams and, you know, what they're going to be capable of doing this season. Uh, Quinn Ewers kind of got off to a little bit of a shaky start. Um, I know Steve Sarkeesian is probably pretty happy with what he did, but you know, I just wasn't super impressed. I thought uh, that there's a lot, a lot of growing pains that they went through a week ago and a lot of things that they can improve on. But if anybody's going to be able to do it, it's Quinn Ewers. 
I mean, this guy's as highly touted a quarterback as anybody else to come through in recent time. But on the other side of the ball, you know, I was low on this Jalen Milrow kid at Alabama. I thought Alabama, you know, just had one of those seasons where they just didn't have that guy. But he looked pretty freaking good last week. I mean, yeah, given you're not playing, you know, an incredible, you know, team or anything like that. But yeah, you're playing middle I, I, of the road. I think road he got state. the job done. <laughs> right. I think I think they got the job done, and I think what, what we the flashes from Jalen Milrow that we saw, I liked. I think uh, they they still need a little bit of an upgrade in that wide receiver room. I'm not super impressed there, but yeah, that's what I, mean, I that's what I wanted to touch on, and because that's the biggest question mark, right? Like going into this season, everyone wants to talk about the quarterback, but who the hell is he going to throw the ball to? I mean, because last year. There were just drops left and right. There was nobody that was able to really separate from DBs. And when you get into these big games where you've got teams that have talent at corner, at safety, you got to be able to get open. Doesn't matter who the hell you got back there if you can't get the ball um, and secure it when it gets to you. So um, offensive line actually didn't look as good as I thought they should have against Middle Tennessee State. They have extremely high potential. Um, so – yeah, can these receivers catch a damn ball? That's the question. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because that's the biggest question mark for me in this entire game. But because if you right. remember our takeaway from this game last year is that the Texas wide receivers bullied the Alabama corners and the Texas corners bullied the Alabama receivers. Like that was one of the biggest takeaways for me from this game last year. I I don't see a huge change in that wide receiver room for Alabama from last year. So uh, uh, that's a huge question mark for me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So what you taking, my boy? I don't know. I it's going to be a great game. It's I think it's going to I know. I know. It's it's tough cuz it's right there around that 7 mark. Um, yours has got weapons too. You know, A.D. Mitchell coming over from Georgia. Xavier Worthy returns, one of the best receivers in the Big 12. So he's got plenty of weapons. Obviously, you lose Bijan Robinson. I think the question mark on for Alabama on defense, can you get pressure on yours, right? You know, you, you lose your elite pass rusher in Will Anderson, but Dallas Turner is still there. I think if they can get some pressure on yours, get him off of his spot, maybe force him into some turnovers, that's going to be kind of what gets the ball rolling in their direction in this game. How will the big game atmosphere affect Texas in this game? Like last year, it was a great game, but it was in Austin. You know, and like Bryant Denny is just a different animal, um, especially when these Alabama fans, maybe they're maybe they're feeling backed up against the ropes a little bit. Maybe they're feeling a little chip on their shoulder. You know that it's going to be a great atmosphere night game, obviously. So um, how is Texas going to react to being in this situation? Because Alabama's been in this spot time and time again. You know, multiple times every year they have a big game at home, whether it's against an SEC opponent or somebody that they bring in. So kind of the first spot for Texas in this environment, especially on the road. I'm going to take Texas. I, I I like Bama straight up. I think they win this game close, but I like Texas plus seven and a half. That's just a little too high for me. We have not seen Bama cover these spreads lately. They're just not doing it as frequently as they have in years past. They are winning games still consistently, 
but they are not covering these spreads. That was a theme last year. I think it continues this year. I'm taking Texas with the points here, but Bama straight up. It is it is, it is a high spread here. Um, and I, I think what you touched on as far as the atmosphere plays a bigger role than people can realize. I mean, Bryant Denny is not an easy atmosphere to go into. And a year ago, all these reports came out that you know, Texas only gave Alabama fans nosebleed tickets and there's no AC working in the locker room and all this. And I've seen reports that Bama's doing it right back and Texas has yeah. the absolute nosebleeds of Bryant-Denny Stadium, which means yeah. that that crowd is going to be rocking. It's going to be very tough on third down for Texas. Uh, the student section is going to be insane for a night game week two. And let's just be honest, man. There's not a lot of teams that go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and cover a seven-point spread. Last year, Alabama wasn't as good at covering the spread, but they were higher spreads, too, at the same time. They weren't seven-and-a-half-point spreads, for the most part, at least. I just I don't see many teams that can go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and, and cover a seven-and-a-half-point spread. Yeah. I'm going to roll with the tide. I've I've... I've been wrong time and time again betting against the tide. I've been wrong betting with them a ton too last year yeah, because, yeah. as you touched on, they weren't great. But I think that they're capable. And, you know, Nick Saban just has some magical powers about him in these big games. Nobody is more accustomed to coaching for a big game than Nick Saban. He's been in the biggest ones time and time again. And I think that Alabama can get this one done. Yeah, you make a lot of great points. I think for me, it just comes down to I still got questions about Milrow, and I got huge question marks about who he's throwing the ball to. So um like that we're on different sides for at least a couple of these games. That's it. That's six picks for you guys. Hopefully we'll do better this week than we did last week. We are counting on it. We really need it. Um, but thank you for being here. Tell them where they can find us. We need some follows on social media. We're on Instagram at Saturdays six pod you can follow us anywhere that you find your podcast apple music spotify anywhere else at saturday six podcast give us a like a follow comment on some of these posts aj works very hard to put up some pretty cool graphics for you guys show him some love with that and just before we head out uh just another shout out to our resident clemson fan donald davidson i uh, appreciate yeah. all the love that you've given to us and listening to us also, Kristen Hewitt, thank you for uh, listening to all of our podcasts um, and commenting on Instagram on some of the posts. Really appreciate you guys for all the interaction and good feedback. Absolutely. Thanks for all the love, guys. This was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. For my brother, Tyler, I am AJ. We will see you guys again soon. Peace. Go dog. Oh.